You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. You know, um, before I go into the reading of the Word, stay with the Lord, okay? This is your morning. Before I go into the reading of the Word, I'm hungry and thirsty for Holy Spirit. Every day I say, Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit hasn't, has become more than a giving hand. He's got a face. My Holy Spirit has become more than a force to me. My Holy Spirit has become the very real promise that Jesus said He would be. You know, in Nehemiah 9.20 it says, The Holy Spirit came as an instructor. So this Holy Spirit has a teaching capacity. In Acts 5 it says, The Holy Spirit was lied to. This Holy Spirit can be lied to. In Acts, or in Ephesians 4, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, this Holy Spirit can be grieved. In Romans 8, 26, it says, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groaning. So this Holy Spirit prays, this Holy Spirit groans. So He has emotion, this Holy Spirit does. It also teaches in John that this Holy Spirit uh, teaches, it reminds, it brings to remembrance. So this Holy Spirit that, that's close to you this morning is closer than the skin on your, on your bones. This Holy Spirit is closer than your breath. He's not just an external force, but He's a living reality. He's, a, he's got a face. He's got a presence. And He's part of the Trinity just like Jesus and Father. And He's in the house to minister to you this morning. He's next to you, closer than your family, closer to your best friend. And that's the one who we honor. We honor you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome, sir. We honor you, honor you, honor you, honor you, honor you, honor you, honor you. Not by might, not by power, Zechariah 4, verse 6, but by my spirit. That's, that's who's in the house this morning. He's going to minister to you. Why don't you have a seat this morning? Why don't you have a seat this morning? And, and this is your morning. I'm not saying it lightly. Have a seat with the Lord this morning. I'm just going to speak from my heart, if that's okay, too. If that's okay, I, it's, it was said of Jesus, and I want to be like Him. It was said that in John 6, it was said that, he spoke, the words he spoke were spirit and they were life. And they brought life to those who were with him. You can keep playing for us if you're okay with that, if, if, if you can minister just that way. I'm going to read to you this morning in Acts 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister from, from, a, from, a, from, a, from a pioneer we heard of in the Bible called Stephen. And um, we don't know too much about him. And it's such a pity because I believe that he was one of the front runners, the trailblazers, the pioneers of our faith. He has the distinct honor of being called the first martyr. I'm going to read to you. You don't have to follow if you don't. You can mark it and write down and read it later. You might read from a different translation. So I don't want to throw you off. Um, but it's, if you want to write, write down the notes, and why don't you read it later at home? It's, I'm, going to, I'm going to read to you from Acts 7, verse 54, uh, right up to verse 60. So I'm going to read it out, and I want, you to, I want you to really let this sink into you. It's a beautiful story of redemption and of the Lord choosing someone. And it said, When they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts and gnashed their teeth at Him. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at the top of their voices, their ears, and rushed together against him. They threw him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their robes of the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. 
Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. You know, we don't know too much about this Stephen. Um, we only read about him in Acts 7. Um, maybe he was a nobody. To some he was. He was, he was what was called a Hellenistic Jew. Um, and a Hellenistic Jew was somewhat of a foreigner. It was, a, it was an Israelite, but it wasn't someone who lived in Palestine. So it, it, it was kind of like in modern day terms, it could, be, um, it could be an American living in, say, Israel for 20 years. He's taken on their culture and their eating habits, their form. So he's kind of disassociated with America, but he's still an American by culture. And so if he was ever to come back to the U.S., Americans might, might not fully embrace him as that because he's kind of taken on some Jewish forms. He knows their anthem. He's probably got a dual passport. And so he's not American at heart anymore. This was who Stephen was. He was a, he was a, a Hellenistic Jew. And so in many ways, he was a nobody to even the Jews of the day, even his own people. And uh, there was a quarrel, if you remember that story, this is getting good, this is going to minister to you this morning, but th there's power in this message for you, because Stephen inside of you is going to arise this morning. And, uh, and Stephen was this, the, the assigned to give out food, you know, there was a quarrel, and some of the uh, Hellenistic Jewish ladies of the day, thus the ones that didn't live in Palestine, came and they said, we are being overlooked with the distribution of food. The, the Hebrewic women are getting all the food, but we aren't. Remember, they're all Jews, but the Hellenistic Jews are the ones who lived outside of Palestine. And then the gospel message started preaching and they came back to Jerusalem. But there were the Hebraic Jews in Jerusalem whose homeland it was. They've never traveled outside Palestine. So they were true Jews. And so the Hellenistic Jews were kind of, they were prejudiced against. So the Hebraic Jews prejudiced against these Hellenistic Jews. And uh, to the fact that even their women were overlooked at the distribution of food, like a soup kitchen. So the Hellenistic Jews' women didn't get food. But the Hebrew, so they were just, just prejudice. It wasn't all just good stuff. We read the highlights in the Bible. But I, it, was, it was a very real walk of life for many of them, like it is with you and me. So what happened is the apostles, who were uh, perhaps slightly a little prideful in their own estimation of themselves, they said, well, we're too busy to preach the word of God. We don't want to take the focus. Let's assign seven men and they can, they can do the distribution. We don't have time for that. We want to preach. Let these seven men minister. One of those seven men were Stephen. And so uh, perhaps even among the old, own apostles, Stephen wasn't a man of the highest esteem. He wasn't invited to come and minister with the other apostles and say, hey, let's go on this journey and you come and preach with fire. Even though Stephen was a man who worked miracles, they wouldn't say that because they were prejudiced against this Hellenistic Jew. And they said, why don't you work the soup kitchen and make sure that food is being distributed? Why don't you do that, Stephen, with the other seven and we will go and do the important work of the Lord, the more important work of the Lord. And so Stephen gets assigned to this office. But even more than that, there was the heathens, the Romans, and they hated him too because he was a believer, a new believer. And so they, uh, they didn't want to hear his message. They, uh, they rallied a crowd and a mob against Stephen. And they rallied it and they, and they even conspired against him, bringing lies against him. So Stephen is in a place where he's, no one believes in me. The only thing I have is the Lord. And my, the title of this message, if you want to title it, I'm saying, who appointed you ruler and judge? This is what I'm going to call this message. Who appointed you ruler and a judge? And so Stephen 
is in a place of extreme loneliness. The only place he has to go is the Lord. His own Jewish brothers don't believe in him as much as he thought they would have. The unbelievers don't believe in him. And he works the soup kitchen. And in his boldness, in Stephen's boldness, and in his intimacy with the Lord, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm more of that. I'm more than just a servant of soup. I'm a man of God, and I'm going to walk in my preaching gift, and my teaching gift. And when we read in Acts 6, it says, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith when they appointed him. And later in Acts 6, um, it says that he was full of grace and power. He worked miracles. So besides just being an overseer, Stephen says, there's more to my life than just this. There's more. I'm going to dare to venture. Someone in here this morning has never been believed in by other people. Someone in here this morning has never felt like you can match up to someone else. Someone in here this morning have been, have been spoken down to. Someone in here this morning has compared themselves to other people and you've always felt worthless. Someone in here has always looked at other people and they said, but that person is gifted. He's the one who speaks with a microphone. Or at school, um, never made the first team in, in, uh, in sports. Or uh, you've never been the most popular or the gifted or the prettiest or the slimmest. Someone in here has constantly struggled with that thing or you've looked at other men of God or women of God and you said if only I can be like that someone in here knows what it feels like to be in a place of loneliness like Stephen was and so what happens is uh, is, is, is Stephen gets into this place where um, where when he starts preaching the Freedmen synagogue pulls him and they said blasphemy the Roman Empire was ruling Jerusalem in that time. And so Stephen preaches out of a place of loneliness and solitude and hunger and thirst. The only thing he has is his God. And even that's not good enough for the people around him. So they drag him. The Freedman Synagogue comes and they drag him in front of the Sanhedrin and the high religious folk of the day. They drag him in front there and they say, now give your defense. What are you doing? even though they saw great signs, miracles, and wonders by his hands. And they conspire against him. They rally a mob, it says, in, uh, in uh, Acts. They conspire against him, and they say, this man is lying. He's talking against Moses and the law. He's talking against the prophets. He's a liar. And the Sanhedrin says, mm-hmm, now let us hear what you have to say, Stephen. And he's in a place of loneliness, and, and, and it's the bitter night of his soul. No one's believed in him, but he stood for truth. And so as Stephen gets in front of the Sanhedrin and he, and, he, and he brings his defense, which isn't really a defense, it's just him ministering to religious folk. And he starts talking. And someone in here knows that feeling. You have nowhere else to go. You only have your faith in the Lord. And this morning the Lord is saying to you, that's enough, son, daughter. That's all I need. I don't call, uh, call the qualified. I qualify the called ones. I don't, I, don't, I don't catch a fish and then I clean it. I'll, I'll catch that fish and I'll use it the way it is. And in the process, I'll clean it. But you're still going to be using the process. That's someone out there. And so Stephen gets in front of the Sanhedrin. And he probably knows this is his bitter last day on earth. He hasn't been backed until then. He's not a great apostle. We've heard of John. We've heard of Peter. This is going to get good for you. This is, I, you're going to get a message this morning. A Stephen is going to get imparted into you this morning. And he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin, and he knows this is the bitter night of his soul, much like Jesus. In fact, in fact, Stephen's last words were the same words that Jesus spoke. That's going to get deep for you. And so he's standing there, and he starts defending, and he says, he talks to the Sanhedrin, 
everyone who's supposed to be knowing about this, he talks to them about Abraham. In Acts 7, if you read Acts 7, he says, and he, he takes them on the journey of Israel. He says to the Sanhedrin, he, he proves to them that he's more than a foreign Jew. He proves to them that he knows the word. He proves to this highly educated scholars that he might not be a man of esteem in their eyes. He might not have made their Sanhedrin council. He might not be one of the 12 apostles of eliteness. He might not be a national Jew like they are. But he proves to them that he knows their scriptures, that he knows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he stands there and he educates these Harvard students of the day. He gives them a biblical scholar lesson in intimacy with the Lord. And he pours his soul out his last day on earth. He teaches them, he talks to them about Abraham. And I have a feeling in, in Stephen, taking them through the, the stages of Jewish history, he's talking about himself there. He's standing there and he's saying to the Sanhedrin, He's talking to them about Abraham and he says, you know, Abraham was, was called out of a foreign land into the land of, of Palestine. He's, Stephen's talking about himself there, but he's talking to the Sanhedrin. He's saying, you, you despised Abraham and no one believed in Abraham. Then he goes in Acts 7, he talks about Joseph in front of the Sanhedrin. And he, and he tells them how Joseph was, they were jealous of Joseph and how his brother sold him out. And I get a feeling Stephen's standing there and he's relating to Joseph. I get a feeling as he's presenting his case to the Sanhedrin, he's standing there and he's feeling like Joseph. Just like he felt like Abraham. And then he goes further and he talks to them about Moses. And he says to them uh, what was said about Moses, the Israelites, when Moses let them out. Um, there was this encounter with Moses just before he let them out where, where the men... Uh, where someone killed a fellow Israelite and Joseph came, uh, Moses came up and said, why did you do this? And this guy said to him, who appointed you a judge over us? Just like they did with Stephen. Who appointed you a ruler and a judge to come and know and preach to us? What do you know? So, so Stephen talks to the Sanhedrin about the story of Moses. And he said, your forefathers said this about Moses. Who appointed you a ruler and a judge? And every word that Stephen says, he feels Moses in himself. Moses performed signs and miracles, Stephen says to the Sanhedrin. He performed signs and miracles, but it wasn't enough. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And they wanted to make a God of Baal when Moses went up the mountain. And Stephen's standing there and he's saying, you saw the signs and the miracles that I did, but you dragged me in front of the Sanhedrin. Stephen's feeling like Moses all over again. So he, he, he says to the Sanhedrin, the same you're doing with me today, you did with Abraham, you did with Joseph, you did with Moses. Rejected and abandoned. And then he talks about David, Stephen does in front of the Sanhedrin. And he says to them, you know this, David, you all want a temple to worship and you want to go to a house of the Lord. But I'm telling you that the house of the Lord is you and they're unwilling to hear this. And as the Sanhedrin hears this, they say blasphemy. Which God can, can come and dwell in us? Blasphemy. And they pull Stephen aside and they stone him one by one by one outside of the city. They kill this man of God. And Stephen's standing there and he says to them, you did this with Abram. Moses, Joseph, you did it with David. And he knew it was his day. But something inside that day had a pre predominant power in it. And Stephen was a pioneer. He had the honor to be called the first Christian martyr of the day. He went before Paul. He went before Peter. He went before John and James. 
He stood up and he started the movement of people who were relentless in their faith. But he was the one who was least mentioned. He was the one who was least believed in even by the apostles themselves. He was good enough to pass out bread in the soup kitchen and oversee that. But he's the man who had this authority and this power. What can we learn from Stephen? Perhaps the most powerful thing of this thing is grace. A man of grace he was. He's being dragged, he didn't do anything, unjustly, killed. And his last words were the same words as Jesus said, Father, do not count them this sin, forgive them. Go and read it. What a statement for someone who didn't do anything and to then say, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. And you know what the effect of a, of a man and a woman of grace is? The power in grace? It is said of Stephen in Acts that he's a man of power and of grace. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those two words are in the same sentence. Power and grace. There's a power in grace. A man and a woman of God who walks by grace. You know what happened that day when Stephen was stoned? When he said that word, he said, Father, do not count them the sin. You know what happened? There was a young man sitting in that chair whose name was Saul. And he observed it all and he said, he saw it. He saw it all happen. And all these Sanhedrin, the council, those who stoned Stephen, came and they laid their robes at Saul's feet. And Saul, a young man, is sitting there watching this all unfold, hearing every word that Stephen is saying right to the bitter end. And Stephen says, Father, do not count this against them. Forgive them the power of grace. A destiny was born that day that includes me and you. Paul was the father of the Gentiles, which is me and you. A message was birthed in Jerusalem that we are bearing the fruits of. We are sitting in the flow and the river of that day that Stephen was, was stoned. Because Paul was sitting there, he remembered it. And it haunted him until he had his Damascus Road encounter. He remembered that day. Every day it played in his mind. He said, I remember what that man of God did. He, I wanted to be like that. And Paul had his encounter with Jesus. And I have no, no doubt that if Stephen was alive, Paul would have gleaned on Stephen and his teaching. Paul would have been, wanted to be close to this man. This is the first mention of Paul in the Bible. The law of first mention, we get told in Scripture, is a significant one. Because in the law of first mention, you kind of get significance. The power of grace. Stephen was a man of grace. If that, you want to make that your first point, he was a man of grace and administered. A lifestyle ministered. Have you ever heard of the missionary Hudson Taylor? It was said that he went to China and had this profound effect, which he did. And the communist government years later wanted to quench that and take away that authority and power. And they hired someone to, um, to, to distort the teachings of Hudson Taylor. And they said to this, this author, they said, take his teachings, distort it. We don't want this, this, this fire to continue to flow across China. And this man went to his study with Hudson Taylor's teachings and he, and he examined Hudson Taylor's teachings. And as one night he was sitting and trying to, to level out and give this man a bad name, this man of God a bad name, he felt in his heart that he couldn't do it. He felt convicted and even the lifestyle of Hudson Taylor ministered to this guy. He renounced his atheism in his own study and at the cost of almost his own life, he had to flee that town because he refused to do it. 
the man's lifestyle ministered to him. The lifestyle of grace ministered. There's a power in grace. Those two go together. Grace and power. I'm saying in here to someone today, you might not be the most able. You might not be the most gifted. You might not be the most esteemed in society. But what a fair and equal playing field we are all on. You have the ability to be a man and a woman of grace. You don't need to have any, any, any ulterior abilities in order to walk in grace and power. Isn't that fair? Isn't God so fair this morning? Isn't He just the most fair God alive to say, You, 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 you can be a man and a woman of grace right till the end. Stephen was a, was a man of faith. The word says he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He performed great wonders and signs, Acts 6 verse 8. His wisdom and spirit trumped them, Acts 6 verse 10. He believed in the gospel. The religious folks stopped their ears. He believed in the indwelling Christ and they rallied a crowd. He had faith in Holy Spirit and angels, Stephen, that he was a man of faith, the second point. Anyone and everyone is welcome. You're sitting here today and you're saying, I might not have that level of faith or this one. That doesn't determine your man or womanness of God. That doesn't determine whether you will be used. You have faith. You got that faith when you accepted the Lord. There's a story of a little girl in Boston, Massachusetts at the turn of the 20th century. And it's an asylum for retarded kids and people. And, um, and this Christian lady went to a cell of a girl named Annie. And Annie was sitting in the cell um, day by day and she had a horrible horrible life leading up to this point where no one believed in her and they shoved her in a cell and this Christian woman went to the cell day by day by day by day and ministered to her and left her food but Annie wasn't even staring at her Annie was was confined and Annie wouldn't pay any attention but this lady would keep going back in her lunch hour for months and months and months and put a plate of food there and leave but Annie wouldn't take any of the food she would just sit and stare at the wall and Annie would be in her own world. And months and months went by until one day when the Christian lady went back the next day and one of the brownies was missing in the plate and Annie had taken a brownie. And love finally started to trickle through. Two years later, Annie was released out of the asylum and, um, and they gave her an option to leave. But Annie said, I've encountered love here, I'm gonna stay in this asylum and I'm gonna mean the same to other people. 50 years later, the Queen of England, this is a true story by the way, it's not an illustration just. 50 years later, the Queen of England decided to honor a woman named Helen Keller, a lecturer, a scholar, she was a political activist, she was an author. And the Queen of England asked Helen Keller, what do you ascribe you're overcoming deafness and blindness and becoming this person that you are today. And Helen Keller said to her, if it wasn't for Annie Sullivan, I wouldn't be here today. And this retarded girl who'd encountered love shaped a woman named Helen Keller, who forever had imprints into the history of your culture here if you're an American. I'm telling you, faith, anyone and everyone is welcome. Anyone and everyone will be used in this power of faith. Stephen was a man of faith. This is gonna to minister to you. As I go into my last point, we're gonna we're gonna have an altar ministry here this morning. And I'm not gonna do it just because because it's an altar ministry. I'm gonna do it because I know you're gonna receive and impart something inside you this morning. Someone came hungry, someone came broken, someone came came saying, Yes, Lord, I need that. The third point we we know about Stephen, he was a man of the Holy Spirit. 
that was one of the first things that was said to him. It was, he's a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He believed, he knew it was not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. He's a man of God. He wasn't afraid to be sensitive to Holy Spirit. He was a David, a worshiper. He was sensitive to Holy Spirit, but he could kill lions and bears. He could stand up and defend himself. That's what defied his manhood. It was his intimacy with the Lord. He had faith in the Holy Spirit. The scripture says in Luke 11, good father, what good father if his children ask him for stones or for bread will give him a stone. We, everyone and anyone is welcome. The third point we know about Stephen, he was a man of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are sitting in here and, you, and you're, you're saying, I might not be the most able, the most gifted. I might not be the most, most, most talented. You can be a man and a woman of grace. You can be a man and a woman of faith. In fact, you already are. And you can be a man and a woman of the Holy Spirit. Those three will take you further than the best musician. Those three will take you further than the most naturally gifted person on earth. Those three are a potent mix for your destiny, for you to be a front runner and a pioneer in society. Those three are a potent mix for you to be a voice in the earth. Those three are a potent mix for you to be a son and a daughter of God who stands up for injustice. Those three are a potent mix for you to be a lover and a sold out representative of heaven and er on earth. Those three are a potent mix for you to be the best ambassador in your town, in your county, in your street. Those three are the most potent mix for you to be the best version that Christ created you to be. Everyone welcome this morning to that. Everyone free access. No excuses. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Lord, Lord, I've, I've, I've doubted. I've doubted myself even. And I've wondered whether I'm able to do these great things that these preachers always come and preach about. I wonder, I hear these words, but I kind of find myself not being able to overcome that threshold and I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. I hear it, but I need help. Someone is sitting in here and saying, I know I'm born for something greater than I'm living right now. I know I have a purpose and a destiny. Someone in here is saying, um, I think he's speaking about me this morning. I think he's speaking to my heart this morning. Yes, Holy Spirit is. It's not me. It's him. I'm telling you why I'm saying these things because I know it's true in my own life. I've experienced it. I've been a man. I've been a Christian without grace, without faith, without Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking here about full measures of it either. I'm not talking here about being this much grace versus this much or this much Holy Spirit versus, or this much faith. I'm talking here about believing. I'm talking about believing that you, when you were born into Jesus, that He gave you the ability to be gracious, that He gave you the ability to have faith and the Holy Spirit. I'm saying the day that you were drafted into Him, He said, you're my son, everything you needed, I give it to you freely. You might not feel like you're walking in the fullness of it, you might not feel like you've been able to overcome the doubts and, uh, and the minds. That's not what we're focusing on. That's not what God wants you to focus on. God wants you to focus on the things that you already have inside of you. Grace, faith, and Holy Spirit. And he's saying, if you will just believe this morning, someone dared to believe that you are a son and a daughter of God who's able to be gracious, loving, uh, faithful and full of the Holy Ghost. Someone in your dared to believe that when you got transferred into my kingdom, you got that package. Someone in your dared to believe that I'm talking about you this morning. Someone in your dared to receive that word. That's Holy Spirit talking to you this morning. Everyone welcome. It's a fair playing field this morning. Isn't he good? Isn't Holy Spirit good? Isn't Jesus the fairest person on earth? People will ask you, but what about 9-11? Or what about this? Where was God when this happened? This great injustice. We don't know. We don't know the answer to those questions. But I know out of my life, 
that he chose a young man who was just lost, 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 lost. No father, no family, didn't have it. I grew up in eight different, five different homes by the time I was 18. And uh, just turmoil, strife, turmoil. My daddy died, my stepdaddy died, my grandfather died. Stepdaddy was an abusive alcoholic. My mama tried to commit suicide. My sisters did. One of my sisters went into prostitution. She's free today, but that's part of my journey. The Lord picked a young man like that. And, and the reason I can represent the word of the Lord is because there was a day where I said, I believe, I dare to believe that I can be a man of God. I dare to believe that all these things are mine this morning. And he's talking to you this morning. And he's saying, someone in here is going to swim in the river of life this morning. Someone in here is going from ankle to knee deep. Someone in here is going from knee to waist deep. Someone is going to swim this morning in a river of healing that they've never been in before. Someone in here came this morning and you were ambushed by God to take you one step closer to Him. Someone in here was strict this morning. You thought you were coming to a church service, but you came with, to an encounter with the Lord. Lord is saying you didn't come to a church service, you came for an encounter this morning. Someone in here is being ministered to, I want every eye closed in this building. If you're a man, if you're a woman, I need you to go into solitude with the Holy Spirit right now. Someone in here is going to have an encounter with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Holy Spirit is here and He's come with healing in His wings. Holy Spirit is here this morning. He came with healing in His wings. Holy Spirit did. Holy Spirit is here this morning and He's here to, to rejoice in victory. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. Raise your hand this morning if you're saying, Yes, Holy Spirit, I can't go any further without you. I need the fuel that, that, that fuels me. I need the true bread of life. I need the river of life.